Amen. Thank you for that special, Heather. And if you'd open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number 6, Acts chapter number 6, we've had a busy week here at the church. Our teens went to Philadelphia last Saturday, and um, they um, did a great job. I was able to be there a couple days with them, and um, they did, did fantastic. I enjoyed watching them get involved. They were in five different locations each evening and did uh, vacation Bible school at parks and um, just had a great testimony, worked hard and um, just did a great job. I'm so proud of our teens. And then our um, um, older teens, the 55 and older, that group, they, uh, they partied more than the teens I heard that they went to Branson and they came back yesterday, I believe, right? And so they had a busy week. And I want to thank our church family, those that served and uh, helped with the funeral service of um, Suzanne Sears as well. Appreciate that. Uh, took a lot to coordinate things and um, just appreciate our church family so very much, whether it's praying for requests that come in or serving. It's wonderful to be a part of such a wonderful church that cares for people and loves people. And um, just appreciate so much our church this past week. I want to um, I want to show you a video today. I I told Suzanne um, that uh, we would do this. She asked me if we would do this, and I promised her this and and uh, George as well. If you weren't able to be at the funeral on Thursday of Suzanne, boy, what a what a great testimony of the Lord! And uh, I sat at her house for probably about two and a half hours. Uh, with her and George and planned uh, this entire funeral. And it was so honoring to the Lord. And it had her, it had her prints all over it. Didn't it, Stephanie? I mean, it was your mom um, from the beginning to the end. And um, she, she said she wanted it done this way. And I was afraid not to do it that way. I wasn't sure what was going to happen if, uh, if we didn't. But just... It was one of those funerals that just honored the Lord. And it was, it honored the Lord so much, I believe it had honored her and showed her life. Um, and she lived her life to serve the Lord. And if you knew her, you, um, you knew that about her. A couple weeks before she got really sick, um, she um, asked if uh, we could put a video together. And um, so we had one of our staff go there and spend some time putting a video together. She didn't write this out. I think, I don't even think she, George, she didn't even take a break, right? This was like one take, exactly what she wanted said. And um, we showed this. Now, we didn't tell anybody that we were doing this at the funeral. So I think when people saw the video, it was pretty emotional. But she wanted her church family to see this as well. And, um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show that. Uh, this morning. Just take a few minutes and then we'll get back up. Hold your place in Acts chapter 6 and uh, I think you'll enjoy this. Hello my precious family and friends. Um, sorry if I'm freaking you out because if you're watching this video I'm in heaven and uh, but I want to share some things with you that the Lord had laid on my heart and uh long time ago when I, well, almost three years ago, I got diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And most of you know my story and the battle. Um, but early on, I just had this 
feeling that this was something I was supposed to do, so I'm doing it. And uh, again, I'm sorry if it freaks you out, but I just want to take this opportunity to let you all know how much you mean to me, how much your love and support has meant to me, uh, but most importantly, how much and how important your souls mean to me. And um, so, as you know, uh, this has been a battle, but early on, I mean, the Lord was right there with me, uh, leading me through all of this. And um, hopefully his light shined through because he's my rock and he has helped me through this. And I know that everyone in this room at some time in their life will experience some type of difficulty or hardship that you want to get through. And I'm just here to tell you that Jesus is here to help you. Um, I don't know what I'd do without my faith. I don't know what I'd do without Him. So if you will indulge and listen for just a minute, I would really appreciate that. Um, you know, the gospel is really simple. Most of us have heard something living, growing up here in America that about God and Jesus, but salvation is such a, a, a simple thing. Um, many will say the difference between true salvation is about 18 inches, which is between your head and your heart, because many people believe in their heads um, God exists. He sent his son Jesus. And Jesus was a good example for us. That might be how you feel. But the truth is, we're sinners. God is holy. And he made a way for us to bridge the gap between heaven and us here and to make a way for us to live forever with Him. And that's through Jesus. He needed a perfect sacrifice. That's what it's all about. Jesus came to die for us. And if you grasp that, it's such, it's a huge thing that the holy God of the universe who created everything would love us, love me, love you enough to do that? To send his only son to die on a cross? To take my sin? To take my lies? To take my pride? To take, oh, I don't want to get into all of the bad choices and sin of my life. We all have those. But he took all of those on the cross for us. That's a huge thing. Um, and by dying on that cross and taking our sins, buried with him, and then risen on the third day, we all celebrate Easter, risen on the third day because he conquered death. There is no other Savior, no other way. It's Jesus, and he's the only one who's conquered death. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. Isn't that amazing? Oh, well, now comes your part. 
You need to believe and receive Him as Savior. And it's the best thing I ever did. I didn't live a perfect life by any means. It's been up and down and, you know, on and off. And But He's been there the whole time, forgiving me every step of the way, His grace and His mercy. And then when I stepped into this challenge, um, I, I, I'm just amazed that, I, I mean, he just never leaves or forsakes me. And many of you that he's used, and you may not even know that he's used you to encourage me, sending me cards and texts and phone calls and bringing meals and just encouraging words. That's God. That's how he works. That's how he, he, he uses each of us to, to help each other. And I just really felt like I needed to share that clearly with you. Many of you have talked about my faith as I've gone through this, and I may or may not have had a chance to really share the gospel, but I'm sharing it now because it's the most important thing you could ever do in your entire life, and your eternity depends on that decision. Where, where do you spend eternity? With God or not? Um, depends on your decision. But the other thing I wanted to share with you is that about a year ago, now God doesn't speak to me in dreams. I don't know if he's ever done it before. Um, sometimes he does and I hear other people's testimonies. But this particular night, it was in June, a year ago, I woke up and I had this dream that I had woken up from and a poem that I knew I needed to write. Now, I've dabbled in a little poetry here and there, but never really saved anything that I did. But this one was God saying, write this down. And I got up and I wrote it down. And within minutes, I had this poem. And I feel like I'm meant to share that with you. God gave this to me. So if you will indulge, and I do believe there's copies of this that will be available for you, but this is how I felt a year ago, go, you know, going through the struggle and everything, but still knowing that God is there lifting me and caring for me. It's called The Gardener's Hand. One day I met a gardener as he looked across my land. He smiled at me with eyes of love and a shovel in his hand. I thought my land was nice, so I wondered what he'd do. Sure, I had some barren parts, but I'd learn to love them too. As we walked along, he stopped and felt the soil beneath his feet. He took a shovel and started to dig, and soon I felt so incomplete. But again, I saw his eyes of love and a smile on his face, and suddenly I felt no fear and was flooded by his grace. I didn't know why he kept digging, deeper, deeper still. Though painful, I found myself at peace. I just knew it was his will. I asked him many times, oh gardener, will you rest? He'd smile at me and touch my hand and say, I want what's best. Gradually, I felt growing in the places that he dug. Colors beautiful began to sprout, their joy around me like a hug. Then I understood the gardener knew best. 
the way to make me shine, to bring glory and praise to Him alone for His wonderful work divine. He's still working, not quite finished. He promised He would stay to complete the work He started, then take me home with Him someday. So He doesn't give up no matter what you're going through. And I just wanted to share that with you because that it meant a lot to me. I knew that what I was going through wasn't comfortable. I didn't like it at times. I questioned at times, but that's okay. He was still there reassuring me. And I just want to reassure you. Um, I have no doubt I'm in heaven. Um, and that's a promise that he gives us. In 1 John 5, 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. He doesn't want us guessing. Will I go to heaven? Have I been good enough? Did I do enough? He wants you to know, and you can know through Christ. Believe, receive, and you never have to doubt, and you have that assurance no matter what you go through, no matter what your loved ones go through. So I just love you all. The hardest thing is to say goodbye. But remember me. Cry if you miss me, but don't cry for me because my pain is gone. And God is good and he's always good. I love you all. Thank you. Wow, huh, George? Stephanie, if your mom could see you sitting next to George two weeks in a row, I think maybe she knows. Acts chapter 6. Suzanne is going to be missed. My dad passed away, I remember... He um, left a voicemail on my phone, and uh, I'd go back and just listen to that. I don't even know what it said. I'd just like to hear his voice. And I know this video will be something that um, uh, Suzanne's family cherishes. Acts chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. I know last week... This is the second week we looked at this specific passage of Scripture. And uh, last week we noticed the conflict that came uh, within. In verse number one, the Bible says, In those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. And so we saw that there was a conflict that took place within the church. And we saw that the solution was in verse number three, Look with me there, uh, brother. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And so the conflict started because there were some within the church, the local church there, that needed their needs met. 
and they weren't getting their needs met. And one of the reasons why is because there's 12 apostles there that was uh, teaching and, and, and praying and, and trying to care for the, the church. This was something new. Remember, this had started there at the day of Pentecost. There were, there were 3,000 people saved in one day, and, and the church was growing at a daily rate. Every day, people were being saved and being added to the church. And the church continued to grow. And just like whenever there are people, I say this often, when there's people, there are what? There's problems. Every time you find people, you find problems. No different in a church. No different here in the New Testament church in Acts chapter 6. There were problems because there was growth. And as the people began to grow in number in the church, the needs became greater. And there was not enough people there to meet these needs. And so there was murmuring. There was conflict. But God used that to to, uh, bring out these seven uh, spirit-filled men and deacons of the church. And these men were there now to serve and and to take care of this this daily uh, feeding or daily caring of the widows here that were being neglected. And so let's look again at verse number two, and we'll begin reading uh, down through verse number seven. Then the twelve came... Uh, the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the apostles said this, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer into the ministry of the word. I want you to see in verse number seven, the result of that, and the word of God increased. So this situation was resolved and the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. That's an exciting verse for several reasons. One is the word of God increased and anytime the word of God increases, that's something to be excited about and joyful for. Then the Bible says, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. That means people were saved. People were added to the church. More disciples of Christ. And, and people were, were giving up tradition and religion and trusting Christ as their Savior. And then also the priests were obedient to the faith. You know what that means? Many of those priests that, that uh, uh, were there in Jerusalem saw that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And they trusted him as their Savior. What an exciting verse chapter 7 is. That's the result of a church being obedient in doing what God desires for them to do. And so today I want to look at the position within the local church that God used this conflict to create. So this conflict created a need. The need was leaders, servant leaders within the church. That was the need that came about because of this conflict. We know these men today as as deacons within the church. And the deacon, what's the purpose? Now, depending upon who you ask or maybe what church you would go to, you would find uh, deacons do different things within the church. But I want to make sure that we look at what the Bible says the, the need is and the reason and the qualifications that we find for this position within the church. And so first of all, I want you to see this morning the reason for this position of a deacon. There's a reason. 
the deacon within the church is not a position that, that man created. Now, man might have perverted that position and, and, and done different things with that position or, 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 or added to that position, but there is a reason. It's not man's reason. There's a reason that God desired for the deacons to be within the church. And the first thing I want you to see is this. The church grew and the physical needs of the people were not being met. Very simply, the, the reason for the deacon is because the church grew at such a rate that the physical needs of the people weren't being met. Again, let's look at verse number one again. And in those days, when the number of disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring, a complaining of the Grecians against the Hebrews because the widows were neglected in the daily ministration. There were great needs that these widows had, and these needs were going unmet. Now, we could say, well, why didn't the Grecians then know that their widows were being neglected? Why didn't they step up and, and begin to fulfill those uh, uh, responsibilities? And I would answer this because I believe this, because God desired for the church to have the office of a deacon, and he used this situation to bring that into play there in the church. And so the church was growing, and the physical needs of the people were not being met. You see, God was looking for servants, not, not another group of people to, to sit back and make decisions for the church, but the, the, these positions, this position, the, the deacons were there so that the needs of the people were being met. Listen, God desires for his church, for the people, to, their needs to be met, and he then chose that these deacons would rise up within the church as leaders within the church, lay leaders within the church to, to meet the needs of these widows. I want you to flip back a couple, couple chapters, if you would, in the book of Acts, chapter number two. Would you go there with me? Acts chapter number two, just a couple pages back. Remember that exciting day, the day of Pentecost? And Peter and the disciples got up and preached and, and 3,000 souls were saved. And what a, what a wonderful day that was. Look with me in verse number 44 of the chapter number 2, if you would. Chapter number 2, verse 44, the Bible says, And all believed were together and had all things common, sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And look at the result of that, praising God and having favor with all people. And what happened? And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. As the church were growing, people had needs. And, and the Bible tells us here in Acts chapter 2, in verse number 45, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as they had need. And we saw this a few weeks back uh, when we were studying through that chapter. But, but there were so uh, many needs, and those that had gave, so those that didn't have could have. Those that had wealth or those that had land or those that had possessions, they sold those and gave them to the church so that the church then could divide that up. And so what was happening within the church is everyone's need was being met. In Acts chapter 2, great things were happening. People were being added to the church and people were selling their possessions. And at this time, there was great unity within the church because everyone's needs were being met. Those that had gave. Those that didn't have, they received. And look with me in chapter number 
2, verse 46 again. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Look what they were doing. Breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. The church was moving forward. When there was unity and gladness and singleness of heart, the church was moving forward. And the Lord added to the church. I want you to see something here. Please don't miss this. When the people were cared for and gave, there was great unity. And when that happened, the Lord added to the church. The Lord blessed the church when the people were unified. When there was unity in chapter number two, the Lord was blessing. In chapter number six, we start the chapter with with murmuring, and then we end verse number seven with great blessings again. And the reason why is because people were getting their needs met within the church. The reason for the deacon, we find the Lord desired to add to his church and he needed servants to serve. Don't, Don't miss this. The Lord desired for his church to move forward. And I believe he still does today. He desires for his church to be light, to be salt in a, in a dark world. He desires for his church to move forward and, 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 and spread the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost. That's God's plan for the church to, to move forward. But within the church, there's always going to be needs within the people. And the Lord desired to add But you know what we realized? In order for him to add, the people had to have unity. They had to have gladness. They had the singleness of heart. And and, and, and that's the example that the world needs. The world needs to see a church glad, a church that's singleness of heart, a church that's united. That's what God desires is for the, the world to see that his children are blessed by him. That's what God desired. If you were to study all the way back in the Old Testament, you would find with Israel, God desired Israel to live a certain way, be blessed a certain way, so that the the world that didn't know God would know him. You know what I believe today would be the same, and here in Acts, the same thing. God desires unity within his church. God desires singleness of heart within his church. He desires that needs are met within his church. For what reason? So that the world that doesn't know him... See his greatness. And the reason then, in order for that to happen, the needs must be met in the position, the need for a deacon in the church then was established. You know why? Because when a church is in unity, when a church is in singleness of heart, when a church is, is, is uh, uh, within gladness, this reflects who Christ is. Reflects Christ. I want you to see, look look back in Acts chapter 6. I want you to see something else here. In verse number 3, the Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out amongst you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The choosing of the deacons. I want you to see, secondly, the choosing of the deacons. These were people. They were... They had some qualifications about them. 
But I want you to see the choosing of the deacons, and, 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 and I want you to see here in this passage of Scripture, the people were involved in this. The people of the church were involved in the choosing. The apostles didn't say, these are the people that I've chosen that I want to put before you. What, he's, what, what, what the apostles said is, look out amongst you and, 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 and choose. Choose those that, that are honest. Choose those that are full of the Holy Ghost. Choose those that are full of wisdom. The, the people played a part in this choosing. Every, every year at our church, our people uh, play a part in the choosing of those that lead our church. Every year, our people choose, they vote, they, they elect the, the deacons within our church. And I want you to see here the choosing, the people were involved in that. Why, why is that so important? Because the people saw these were men within the church that had a good testimony. These were men within the church that walked with God. These were people in the church. You see, this was not a, 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 a campaign to see who the most uh, popular was within the church or, or the most favored or within the church. No, this was a, a time where the church looked out amongst himself and saw who are those that are walking with God? Who are those within our church that are honest in their dealings? Who are those that use wisdom in their dealings? Those are the ones that we want serving within our church. And the people chose these. And then I want you to see as well, these men had qualifications. And these qualifications that you find within the book of Acts, and you'll find as well, Paul gives Timothy as well, these are the same qualifications that are necessary in the church today. Hear me, church, if a church wants to be biblical, then the church has to follow the plan that God has for them. A biblical church has deacons. But not only do they have deacons, they have deacons that are doing what the Bible says they should be doing and meeting the qualifications that the Bible says they should be meeting. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among seven, you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. I want you to see, just simple, the Bible lays it out here. These were honest. These men had honest report. They, when they dealt with people, people knew that they were honest in their dealings. They were full of the Holy Ghost. They were full of wisdom. And, and, and also, and don't miss this, look at the in verse number two. The Bible says this, um, is it not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? You know what also a qualification of these deacons would be? They were willing to serve tables. They were willing to roll their sleeves up and physically do work so the needs of the church, the needs of the widows were met. These are qualifications. You know, um, sometimes we say these are honest men, these are full of go uh, Holy Ghost, these are wise, but they're also willing to serve. They're willing to serve tables. They're not too good to help. I want you to go to 1 Timothy, if you would, please. 1 Timothy Chapter number three, 1 Timothy chapter three. I know our time is short, just we had some testimonies and, and uh, the video this morning, and I know those are kind of out of the norm for us. <clears throat> but I just felt we needed to have those here this morning. And so I'll do my best to get this in this morning. And if we don't, guess what? We'll just be here next week as well. Let's pick up where we left off. Paul is writing Timothy. 
Paul gives in this chapter number three of 1 Timothy, and starting in verse number eight, he gives what we, what we would call the qualifications of a deacon. What's required? And he says in verse number eight, likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. Then let them use that office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacon of the husband of one wife ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so here the Bible lays out, Paul is speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. He's laying out for Timothy and he tells Timothy, I want you to go and set these things in order within churches. And, and this is the order he says I want set for, for the deacons. He says, first of all, I want them to be grave. And what does that word meet grave mean? Dignified and sober in, in manner or character and committed to keeping promises. I, I want those deacons, I, the requirement is they're to be dignified and sober. They're, they're to be committed in keeping. If they make a promise, they have to keep those promises. They're well respected because of what they say is true. We find that in, in uh, the book of Acts. Uh, those that had honest report. He goes on to say they're not, not double-tongued or they're not deceptive. They're not hypocritical. But, but who they are in private is who they are in public. And who they are in dealing one-on-one -on -one is who they are in dealing in public with everyone. These are men that are not double-tongued. They're not going to say one thing and, and then live another way or say one thing to one group of people and another thing to another group of people. But these are men that are, that are honest. Their word is sure. The Lord wanted his church to, to grow, and so therefore there needed to be leaders that represented Christ well. He goes on to say, not giving to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, meaning, meaning that, that the gospel was real to them and they were living this out, not pretending it, but it was real to them. And let these also first be proved. I want you to see in verse number 10, the Bible says this of, of the deacons, these are men that, that were well proven. They, they, they were known, their examples of living rights were, were there within the church and, and their testimony was good. They were well proved. They weren't someone that was a novice and, and just, just saved and, 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 and eager to, to get involved. No, these men, they were grounded in what they believed. You know the reason why? Because when you deal with people, it's difficult. It's difficult. Listen, when you start dealing with, with people when they have problems and dealing when people have needs, it gets really messy. It's hurtful. You start dealing with people's problems and not all the time does good come out. My wife was telling me just last evening she's talking to a mom whose son was going to get in the ministry and she's a little bit concerned because she knows that in the ministry people can hurt I'd love to tell you this, that I've, I've been in the ministry 
little over 20 years. And I'd love to tell you this, that, that I've never been hurt in ministry. But if you're going to deal with people, you're going to be hurt. But you know what's needed in those that are proven? Those that don't quit when they get hurt. You see, a servant realizes this. What I'm doing is I'm serving others. And that's why these qualifications are so necessary in deacons, in pastors, bishops, elders. That's why these are so necessary. And not just anyone can do these things. Because you're not doing them for yourself. You're not doing them because everybody remembers you and, and, and celebrates your wins and celebrates your big days. You know, sometimes being in ministry can be one of the loneliest places to be. But we've got to remember uh, that we're there, those that are called to it, the, uh, whether it's full-time ministry or, or deacons. In the, in, and as we're speaking of here, you must remember, and I speak to the deacons within our church, there are going to be problems and it's going to be difficult. And, and, and the road isn't always easy and dealing with people's problems are messy and, and, and dealing within the church. And, and, and you would think that all the Christians together, it must be an easy place to serve. Listen to me, sometimes dealing with Christians are the hardest people to deal with. But the deacons here, they're proven. They're using their position to, 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 to lead and represent Christ. And I'm not saying that it doesn't get difficult. I'm not saying it doesn't get hard. I'm not saying there's going to be days that, 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 that it just becomes unbearable and you want to quit. But what I am saying is this. You're called of God to do this. And in those times, you don't quit because there's a great work to do for the Lord. This is why that you can't put a novice in there. This is why you can't just, anybody that wants to be, whether they're proven or not, just, uh, listen, the deacons, being a deacon is not a place to be proved. You're proved before you become a deacon. You don't put people in there to, to, to get them to the place where they're walking with God. They're men that are already walking with God because when they get into that place, you're going to need to walk with God. You're going to need to have a relationship with him because there's people in the church that have great needs. And, and hear me today, you can't, you can't accomplish this work unless you have God's power upon you. You can't, we can't do this. We can't have church without God's power. We can't meet the needs that the church has without God's power. Anyone ever heard of that, that um, saying, an armchair quarterback? Anybody ever hear of that? Isn't it always easy to look at somebody else and figure out what they should do and how they should do it and what they should be doing? Hear me, there's decisions within a church it's not human reasoning that we need. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. Last week was one of those weeks. I, we took almost 50 people to, to Philadelphia. And boy, we divided those, those teens up. And boy, they, some of them were in some pretty rough neighborhoods. Trenton, New Jersey. Pretty rough neighborhood. 
we weren't just taking those teens on a trip just to take them on a trip and go sightseeing. We were taking them on a trip, and, 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 and many of them were teaching and being involved and in, 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 in doing ministry and in, in impacting people's lives with the gospel. And, 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 and hear me, it, it wasn't always easy. It took a lot of prayer. This past week when the church came together and, and helped and, and prayed and, and, and I asked, uh, I forget what day it was, maybe it was last Sunday, I asked how many, a show of hands, how many of you have prayed for Suzanne over the last three years or so and, and boy, three quarters or more of the church raised their hand and said they were praying. Listen to me, if we want a healthy church, it's going to take prayer. It's going to take the power of God. It's going to take men like described here in Timothy and in the book of Acts that are qualified, that, that, that are grave, that are not slanderous, they're sober, they're faithful in all things. They, they have the power of God in their life because whenever you deal with people in the work of the church, you need God's power. You need God's blessing. Why? Because the Lord cares about you, his church. And the church can't have people leading the church, serving in the church, that are selfish and prideful. Hear me, I'm just, just sharing my heart. There's days, there's days it'd be nice just to pack it up and work a nine to five job. Just being honest with you. There's days where you just say, there's no way this, how could this person think this? How can they say that? I, I, you just, your mind is blown. God wants the church to be healthy and therefore he has to have leaders that walk with him. They're not living life for themselves or for their own good. They're living life so that others can have peace with God. I, I, I just look just in these couple rows right here. Just look right over here and Hearts are hurting. Going through things and burying people you love and burying children and going through cancer. And listen to me, you can't do this in our own strength. And hear me, God never intended you to do it alone either. You know what God does? All of these things, there's problems, there's needs, there's, 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 there's widows, there's murmuring, there's growth, and all the exciting things that can happen within the church. And God says, I want my people to have peace, even in the midst of their storm. Someone called me George yesterday and they asked me, do you think George likes a steak? I said, George is a man, isn't he? Would it, why would you ask that question? I wanted to bring some dinner over to George. I said, George will like, I'm pretty sure. And if he doesn't, George can invite me over and I'll eat that steak with George. 
you know what they were saying to me? I don't want George to walk through this alone. They were thinking about him. The Lord desires even in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your problem, in the midst of turmoil that this world's going to bring, he desires that you can have peace with him. And so what does he do? He puts positions within the church to help you find peace. You know what the reality is? These widows had needs. You could say, well, these were selfish people or, or why didn't they get their needs met someplace else? Because God didn't want them to. He wanted the church to meet these needs. And so he uses this office of a deacon. I want you to see something. The office of a deacon, they weren't running the church. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't, um, uh, they're not there to, to, to control the church. You know what they're there to do? Serve. My time is done and Boy, we could go through horror stories of churches that the deacons are there and doing the wrong position. They're there, they're there to serve. I, 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 I want to commend the deacons in our church. The reality is this. If there is a group of men within our church that, that are servants, it's the men within this church. I have full confidence if anyone were to contact those men with a great need they would have, those men would help meet that need. And that's the way it should be. My time is done and I hope that you'll be okay. I think we're gonna visit this passage of scripture next week as well. I think it's gonna take us a little while. Father.